0: Blau und weiß sein Leben lang. Hallo meine Leute, wie geht's? Welcome zum das einzige Schalke-Podcast auf English. That's right, folks. Officially the world's only English Schalke-Podcast for the fans and the only podcast partnering with Schalke themselves. I'm your host, Richard Carmen. Thank you for tuning back to our show. Schalke-Fans are some of the greatest fans in the world, many of whom speak English. This pod aimed to bring you the latest from the Royal Blues, uh, speak to the English-speaking fans of the club, get their point of view across, and even, you know, commingle and collaborate with other podcasts. Uh, as always, joining me on the show is co-host Jack Mangan. How we doing, brother?
1: Good afternoon, sir. Happy Sunday.
0: Happy Sunday. Too bad we couldn't add an, another word to that to that phrase there, but uh, it's yeah, happy no Sunday vic- nonetheless.
1: Yeah, no victory Sunday today, unfortunately.
0: No victory Sunday. Not for us, at least. Um, this past weekend, we had a, a big game, and uh, because of that, we brought some extra oomph to the show, if you will. Please welcome from the Super Bayern podcast Garrett Kerber and Benjamin
2: Scott. Vilkommen, gentlemen. Thanks for having us on. Uh, happy Victory Sunday, I guess I should say.
3: <laughs> Hello. Yeah. We'll we'll co-opt that Victory Sunday. D- Gladly take that.
2: Well done. <laughs> well, welcome
0: to the show, guys. Um uh yeah, it was a big game as you said this weekend, but uh before we get into the game, um tell uh, tell our listeners a little bit about the Super Byron podcast and how it began, and a little bit about both you guys.
2: Yeah, okay. I'll go ahead and go first. um, To give a little bit of history about the podcast, I guess, um, so me and Garrett, we run the podcast along with our uh, fellow co-hosts, Tim and Sebastian, who couldn't be with us. They're on European time, so they're well asleep right now. But um, we all kind of met uh, writing for a website, Byron Strikes. Um, I'm an editor on the website, and I had met them all through various times. I've known Tim for a few years, um, Garrett for about a year or so, and Sebastian a little bit less. So that's kind of how we all got together through our, you know, chat through that. We always kind of mentioned the idea of, you know, we really want a a good English-speaking Byron podcast. And some of us would occasionally joke around say, oh, you know, we ought to start one. We ought to start one. Um, And so Sebastian was kind of the latest person to join and and come to me. And uh, I made a joke and he was, he messaged me back seriously, like, you know, hey, if you want to start a podcast, I'm down. And we got to talking about it, and I was like, well, okay, let me talk to these other guys I know. I think they'd be willing to get in on it. Um, we've talked about it in the past. And so, message Tim, message Garrett, and, I mean, they were both on board. And, uh, you know, next thing we know, we're filming a, a guest episode with, with Richard on uh, our 14th episode of the Super Barn Podcast.
0: Wow, that's interesting stuff. And so, this is, I guess, this is your first season into the, the podcast, correct?
3: Yeah, we, uh, um, I think one of the things that we wanted to do is it just didn't seem like there was many English speaking Byron podcasts out there, which was kind of, um, kind of interesting. I know there, there'd been a few that had been running for a few seasons and then they just kind of dropped off, um, for various reasons. And so, um, we were kind of felt like there was a void, um, as well. And so, um, so that, uh, we're new to the game and, uh, trying to get better as we go but uh yeah it's been it's been a lot of fun
0: yeah it's a it's a long process I'm sure as Jack can tell you is that, you know this is our second season but uh it, it every week is you know you learn something different and he tries something different every week and mm-hmm. so absolutely it's a, it's a lot of fun I know for sure
1: that is curious that there's not um, you know, more English-speaking Bayern podcast. It's not. I don't think it's particularly surprising that you know Schalke didn't have one prior to right. Richard and I right. starting it. But you know, Byron's an international brand. I think far more than Schalke, obviously. So, um, definitely much needed for you guys to step into that vacuum. Then,
2: yeah, definitely. Um, it, I think there are a few, and I don't want to disrespect them, but um, yeah, we really wanted to to start our own and. Um, produce. I'm sorry. Our tagline is kind of for Bayern Munich fans, and then for Bayern Munich fans, and and that's our whole approach. Is that we are just we're four fans of the team, and um, we just we don't claim to be experts by any means, uh, but we just want to put something out there that other fans can listen to and um agree with, disagree with, just you know have something you know for their team that can kind of kind of fill in their fill in the time, I guess.
0: I think uh, our fans can tell you that Jack and I are certainly no experts on the, on the matter <laughs> of football. <laughs> Uh, uh, is
3: anybody really? I feel like, uh, you know, everybody, yeah, you know, exactly. even people that think they are, they don't They don't know everything. And I,
1: I think uh, I'm an expert on Franco DeSanto. I'll say that. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you
3: that. I'll give you that. <laughs> he knows all his movements. <laughs> Everybody's got something, right? That's right.
0: <laughs> all right, so before we get into the game, um, let's talk about your guys' season this, this year. Obviously, our team, uh, Schalke, is struggling mightily compared to last year. We finished second in the table last year and this year. we're 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 flirting with relegation so um how is your season going thus far compared to uh the past
3: ben you want to go ahead and cover that i feel like you uh you do you'd give a better recap you're you're that guy
2: okay oh uh where do i start then (laughs) all right so um yeah we we obviously hired niko kovac over the summer um i guess that's probably the best place to start because it kind of goes hand in hand with everything that's going on and um from the beginning he was a bit of a uh, divisive hire most fans I would say wanted Thomas Tuchel um, but the ones that didn't were vehemently against the hiring of Thomas Tuchel anyway that didn't work out um, you know obviously Jurgen Klopp would have been the main guy and then you know we went through these these different names uh, Hasan Hutu even and then so we get Nico Kovac from Eintracht Frankfurt okay he comes in people are already doubting him Um, We've got an aging squad. We don't really bring anybody in over the summer. Obviously, we get Leon Goretzka um, from Schalke, who has been great. And uh, things are just kind of not falling into place. Uh, Kovac started off the season very well. Um, I think it was seven games undefeated. And from there, things kind of went south. Uh, Started to lose, drew 3-3 with Dusseldorf. Um, Kovac is kind of struggling to find a system that works for the team. Uh, he was at the beginning of the season just rotating every single match. It wouldn't be strange to see five people, six people drop from the starting eleven from one game to the other. Um, all these massive changes. So we kind of got back on track as the winter break came around. Um, since you know, since then we've been doing decently. Uh, the defense still can't stop leaking goals. Manuel Neuer's hurt. You know, is he still the best goalkeeper in the world? There's so many questions. Um, if you look at it compared to seasons past, especially. You know, under Heynckis, under Pep Guardiola, it it does look pretty bad. It looks like you know after you've won six Bundesliga titles in a row, and you know now we're trailing versus Dortmund again at this point in the season. It looks really bad. Um, but I think the approach that most of us from the Super Bayern podcast have is that it, it's not as bad as it may seem. Um, for one thing, Dortmund are having an exceptional season. Um, I think you know we all we all know that. And if you look at Kovacic's. I guess, season so far compared to before the the dominant era that that began with the Heynckes, it's actually not so bad. So fans, a lot of newer fans are really, really upset right now. But um, if you give it kind of a, a holistic approach and look at the total history of Bayern, not just the brief history of Bayern, it's about an average season. Um, I think we're very much in a rebuilding phase. And if, you know, to expect much more out of this season with a new coach, with an old squad, it you know, it kind of, kind of would have been foolish. I'd say, uh, maybe Garrett, you have a little bit more to add to that.
3: No, I just think it's all about perspective. Um, like you mentioned, it's from a Bayern fan perspective. Um, yeah, you know, you get used to, you get used to winning, so you're kind of a victim of your own success in that regard. But. Um, and we've mentioned it a few times and i don't know how much people agree or or believe that we actually believe it but i what we do is there there've been cracks kind of showing in that Byron squad for the last couple of years and i think that um this being the first year of a for, la- for lack of a better term of of a rebuild i think you know it's actually gone Fairly well, um, considering their, uh, all the tr- the changes they're trying to make um, in terms of you know, the system that they play. They're using a brand new coach that um, hasn't had a ton of um, experience, at, or hasn't had any ex- big experience with a big club like with, like Bayern. Um, so, I, you know, I think we're trying to preach patience and um, and perspective because, mm-hmm. yeah, things could be. Could be a lot worse than they are than second place um, in the Bundesliga and five points back. Um, you could do a lot worse than that. So um, frustrating season um, in a lot of ways, but um, but we're starting to kind of see a little bit of a turnaround. Um, we had that hiccup against uh, Bayer Leverkusen last week, but um, it seems like starting to kind of get rolling again. Um, and, um, and we'll see what we can make of this season.
1: How concerning was that lack of summer transfer window activity for you heading in to the season? Particularly given, you know, some of the moves that teams like Dortmund had been making, um, who looked to very much be, you know, reinforcing their squad. And um, to what extent do you feel like Bayern's relative dip in form this year has can, can be attributed to um, maybe some deficiencies in the squad that may have been um, improved upon if they had done more in the summer?
3: I think for me, what was um, concerning—well, well, it wasn't concerning um, so much that they didn't have a ton of summer activity, simply because it, it seemed like at it, it, um, at Frankfurt, Kovac had used a back three, um, and and I know a lot of us um, had been kind of hoping that we we'd see more um, of a of a back three in, with with Sula and hum, Hummels and uh, uh, Boateng, and. Um, and then, you know, the season started and it just kind of, that never materialized and it doesn't seem like um, there are any plans to use a back three. Um, it, there was a lot of talk about uh, Lewandowski leaving in the summer and, and I know that that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. and um, and uh, But ultimately, I guess, you looked at that squad and thought um, James had been one of the best players in the Bundesliga at the end of the last season. So if he came back and um, picked up where he left off, Byron were going to be in, in great shape going forward. Um, but I think a lot of the struggles have just been that the age um, of uh, these center backs and Hummels and, and Boateng, which they're not old, they're 30 years old. And um, so you'd, you'd hope that um, they'd be able to, to still have it, but they're just, they don't have the foot speed to keep up with a lot of these young young talents in in the Bundesliga um you know for example Jaden Sancho um uh, for for Dortmund or um I can't even remember your guy's new striker um but he he burned us uh on Saturday which we'll get to obviously but um but yeah it, it's just it's just a, uh it seems like the squad is kind of aging before our eyes in terms of who the who the big players were and and that's kind of where I see most of the the issue with is um, especially in in that back line.
0: Now, one of the guys or a couple of the guys that we lost over the over the summer, um, Max Meyer and Leon Goretzka. Um, I'm I'm guessing I guess our fans are curious how Leon is doing at, at Byron this season because um, we obviously missed him big time. We didn't realize how much we missed him until this season started coming. You know, we didn't have him to to use and with all those bodies that went down and the, and the inconsistencies. His, his creativity was lacking in the team. So how is Leon doing the season with Byron?
2: Um, I mean, excellent. It's about as good of a, a debut season, I guess, that you could ask for from a 23- and now 24-year-old midfielder joining a new club. Um, one thing that has really stood out for him is his versatility. Because um, like we said, Kovac has tried so many different approaches and so many different tactics. And uh, he's played Goretzka based Anywhere, anywhere you can play in midfield, um, and he stepped up to the plate every single time. Um, and right, he was, back. yeah, yeah, and even <laughs> and even right back to, uh, a couple times. But he was, he was huge for us in January. I'm sure you're all well aware. He went on, I think it was three games. He scored four goals, um, playing as a number ten at times, playing as a number six at times. And uh, he, it just for me, I think it kind of depends on who he's playing with. Um, on the ball, he's not exactly the best the best midfielder in the squad, but he definitely brings something every time. And um, especially when he's in the squad with Thomas Muller, the two of them seem to work together uh, superbly. Um, but yeah, he's he's been a great addition, especially with Corenton uh, Tolisso being injured all, all season so far. Um, yeah, he's, he's been great. You couldn't hardly have asked for much more from him.
1: Certainly sounds like he's been inspired by uh, Weston McKinney's versatility. The poor man, Weston to, uh... McKinney.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, probably. I think that I think that he actually I'm sure he mentioned it sometime. Maybe it was off the record or something. But yeah,
1: how uh, what is the perception right now? I'm just something I'm personally curious about uh, amongst Bayern fans. And obviously you can't speak for for all Bayern fans. But um, what is the perception of, of Lewandowski at the moment? Because it, se- it does seem like he's constantly flirting with you know Madrid or other clubs. And I have to imagine that that you know, uncertainty kind of gets annoying after after a while.
2: Yeah, so um, th- this is kind of a tough one because we have this own kind of debate on our own podcast. Uh, Garrett and I are kind of the resident Lewandowski supporters, while Tim and Sebastian are more of the uh, anti lewandowski crew. So um, from our half, um, I- I can, I'm kind of in the middle. I can understand the frustration why you would not want a player who has in the past pushed so hard for a move. He did push very hard in the summer for a move. Um, to Real Madrid specifically, I think that's the only club he wants to join, but if you just take this season and look what he's done, um, I, I don't think it's fair to be upset with him anymore because he's come out publicly over and over and saying he's completely dedicated to Bayern. And, you know, it's, it's one thing to say it, but he's, he's showing that on the pitch as well. Um, he's tracking back constantly during the game. He's getting more involved in the buildup. up. Uh, his body language is just completely different. And he's now the third captain in the team um, he or the captain's armband yesterday even. And so I know a lot of Byron fans are still really resentful for him and still don't, um, don't like, I guess the attitude that he's displayed in the past. But uh, for me, he's definitely, he's definitely done a 180 on a lot of that. And he seems to actually be dedicated to Bayern. Um, so for me, I think he's okay, but I, I do know a lot of Byron fans still, are harboring up that resentment to him and would gladly see him go.
3: Yeah, I don't. I'm not exactly sure what that's all about. Um, I mean, I, I, like Ben said, I can kind of understand it um, from a standpoint of you don't. It's hard to be a hundred percent in on a guy that has publicly tried to to move to a different club, and um, so from that standpoint, I get it. But I mean, we're still talking about the best number nine in the world. And, um, for me, you know, outside of, uh, Messi and Ronaldo, uh, who, you know, uh, I don't know who, what other team, what other player in the world with that, that can put best next to their name, um, isn't going to have constant, they have to make leverage for themselves to get more, to to get paid. Um, it's the nature of, you know, the business. And so, I mean, I, outside of you know this is this is normal this is normal um this is normal business in in my eyes it's in for in terms of his his off season and off the pitch uh stuff and, and on the pitch i you can't really you cannot fault him for 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 much i mean I, th- I think a lot of people don't like the way he he doesn't track back all the time which like ben has said has changed a lot in in for me, if he's a number nine, what do you want from him? He's, he's there to score goals. He's there to put points on the board. And, um, and there aren't too many in the world that do it better than him. Um, And I, and I think that like it or not, uh, without Byron, uh, Robert Lewandowski, we uh, Byron Lewandowski, as I was about to say, we, you know, we, we would not be anywhere close to, to the, to the level that we're at. And, um, and so, while I understand some of the frustrations, I think that some people are just going to have to uh, hold their noses because I don't see him going anywhere um, for a while at this point. Um, mm-hmm. I think Byron's the best spot for him, and I think he knows that, and I think that we're seeing the results of that on the pitch.
0: You guys talked about how Byron is an aging squad. Um, there's, you guys have been flirting with other with names that to try to rebuild, like Timo Werner's a name that you guys have been flirting with. Uh, you guys just signed Jan Fita Arpa from Hamburg. Uh, you also got youngsters on your squad like Alfonso Davies. Who else on your team, who do you have currently on the team that are youngsters that are, you expect to be the next wave of uh, big players at Byron?
2: Hmm. Well, I mean, if you want to talk about the next big player, they're a little bit older, but I mean, Joshua Kimmich, you got to throw him in there. Uh, Leon Goretzka showing signs of getting there. But to go a little bit younger, there's honestly not too many guys in the Byron squad, um, which is... Part of the the problem with a lot of Bayern fans right now that a lot of them see, uh, there is Joshua Zirkzee is doing some great things with the second squad. He's a, I think he's 17 year old Dutch striker. Um, he's doing some great things and he's starting to get a couple call ups to the first team now that Sandra Wagner is gone. Um, young winger from Korea, Wu Yong-Jong, he's showing some glimpses. Um, of course, Renato Sanchez is in the ranks and we're still waiting on him to regain that golden boy form but um, other than those you know there, there's a reason Byron are being linked with so many young guys like Callum Hudson the Dual boy, uh, and others because there's not a ton of players in the ranks right now waiting to make that that leap and we definitely need some guys to be the next generation of Byron greats uh, and it'd be it'd be awesome if some of those could come from you know the academy come from the squad but we're not seeing too many guys that are Uh, showing that they have the potential to make that leap.
3: Yeah, and I think a lot of people have been a little bit frustrated that we haven't seen some of those players um, make more of an appearance with the first team. I know um, Lars Lucas-Mai is a guy that gets brought up a lot on our podcast, and and I'm sure elsewhere, uh, as being a a center back that we'd like to see, um, especially given the problems that we've we've kind of had at that position this season. Um, I know uh, from an American perspective, we're pretty excited about Chris Richards who just signed with them um, and is playing with the the U-19s and, and some with the, with the second team uh, from the FC Dallas Academy. Um, Taylor Booth just signed with them and um, is kind of an exciting name uh, from an American perspective as well. Anytime, you know, you guys know it, anytime an American gets, you know, some, uh, links with a Bayern or a Schalke or, you know, any of the, the big Bundesliga teams, um, we kind of perk up and take notice. And, um, so like Ben said, there's not a whole lot in the, in the youth Academy. I, I think I, I would like to mention, um, even though they, there are getting a little bit older, uh, Serge Gnabry has looked phenomenal and, um, uh, and Kingsley Coman has shown some, some real, uh, Exciting potential. Um, we we still have questions about his decision making uh, once he gets down into that final third, but um, but we're really excited about those two guys as well. Um, but yeah, they're just they're they're having to kind of outsource um, their their youth development, and um, and and that's kind of a problem. And I think something that uh, the that the Byron front office um, the the board has been trying to kind of Fix and um, and so we may not see the results of that for another year or two.
1: What is the perception uh, of Domenico Tedesco and his performance um, to the rest of the league? In your opinion?
3: Um. So I guess from from my perspective, it seems like he's the, he's not exactly um the most exciting coach in terms of the style of play but he he's so flexible in what he does that i think it's hard to pin him down you know as as the type of you know some of these coaches they come in you're like oh this is gonna be a high flying you know run and gun offense and um and and some of them you think that they're just gonna sit back and park the bus all the time um he's a little bit harder to pin down and, and i from my perspective, I, I really, I like that about him. And I think that, um, that's, um, that's exciting for Shelka. I think the, the problem thats that you're just going to kind of get mixed results, um, with a coach like that. Um, he's, he's a really young coach too. Uh, so I know that maybe people, um, be a little bit more lenient with him. Um, but I think that he's still viewed as one of the top young coaches and, um, and yeah, I mean, especially given you can't you can't look at this year and completely forget about last year either. And and I think that um, from from the outside looking in, I, w- I think it would be a, a horrible mistake if they get a little bit trigger happy and, and try to go a different direction after after this season. Now, if. But, you know, God forbid they get relegated, then maybe it's a different question. But um, it doesn't look like that's actually going to happen. And so I I would be I think Schalke would be wise to stick with Tedesco because I think with more experience, he's going to be he's going to be one of the top coaches, uh, Mm -hmm. if not only in the Bundesliga, maybe possibly in Europe.
2: Yeah, I'd have to I'd have to echo the same thing. Um, I think Schalke should stick with him. I know that's not the question, but uh, for me because of Tedesco's age, I think was he 33. Um, he's going to obviously be compared with the other young coach in the Bundesliga, Julian Nagelsmann. And uh, what Garrett kind of hit at is, you know, Nagelsmann, whatever he does, he does with flair. Um, his Hoffenheim team is exciting to watch more often than not. And um, he's very much a coach kind of in the Pep Guardiola vein, I would say. And uh, Tedesco he has shown a lot more flexibility, is a bit more pragmatic, um, especially so last season. And he, although, you know, Tedesco's brought Schalke all the way up to second place last season, the hype is still uh, Austin around Julian Nagelsmann. Um, and so that being said, if you compare him, Tedesco does stand toe-to-toe uh, as far as accomplishments go with Nagelsmann. Sure, he's probably working with a slightly better squad. Um, but, you know, that being said... You have to admire what he's done, and um, yeah, you have to you have to like what he's doing with Schalke, even though they are kind of in this slump right now. Uh, but like you pointed out earlier, a lot of that is probably, you know, has to do with Schalke losing so many key players over the summer, and, and so that puts him in, in a very tough spot.
1: Well, Nagelsmann has tried to uh, sabotage him though by finding a way to get Rudy on our squad, so uh, <laughs> that's been unfortunate.
3: By way of Bayern too, yeah. Yeah, sneaky yeah. guy.
1: Well, since plausible I- deniability, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
3: yeah, that's the genius of Nogglesman.
0: Well, since we're talking both about Schalke and Bayern, uh, let's transition and go into talk about the game.
2: All
0: right. So both teams coming to this came into this game uh, in uh, different. Different different forming. Uh, Shaka seemed to be on the right track. It, it, like they were uh, on the precipice of maybe changing, turning the corner. Had some decent performances. Um, yeah, they lost against Gladbach coming into this. But uh, they performed well until about the red card. And then things, you know, took a dive. But Bayern, on the other hand, you guys have... Uh, your form has been up and down. And a little bit down lately. Because you lost to Bayern, Bayer Leverkusen the week before. And then you went into the DFB Pokal And nearly... Uh went to nearly lost that game. So you guys pulled it out in extra time. So um, tell us a little bit about the form that Byron had coming into this, uh, this game against uh, Schalke. Let's go Garrett.
3: Um, well, so it seemed like, um, it, this, uh, in this calendar year, 2019, it looked like Byron were starting to kind of get things going, uh, at least on the offensive end of the pitch. Um, kind of starting to find a uh, starting 11 that seemed to work. And, um, and, and things were, I mean, I think people were mostly optimistic. Um, the, the issue that Byron have been struggling with all season really uh, has been putting together a full 90 minutes um, mm-hmm. without long stretches of just, uh, it seems like they just shut off. Um, I don't Whether it's, whether it's a overconfidence or just, some other form of lack of focus. Uh that seems to be what the problem has been. And um in the in the Leverkusen game, uh that was uh it was super evident and uh and it ended up with you know three goals uh being put into the back of the net. Um and then against uh Hertha Berlin um Byron really dominated that match uh for the most part and but a couple boneheaded mistakes um, from from players that going into the season, you wouldn't have thought you would have thought that uh, Matt's Hummels and, uh, and, and then, and Joe Bowentang, not in the hard to match, but um, you would have thought that those two players were the two players you wouldn't have had to worry about um, at all if you were going to pick anybody. And um, but they've struggled um, with, like I mentioned before, their foot speed, being able to catch up to uh, faster players, um, up front, and um, and then just making bad decisions with with their their passes, and uh, that's kind of where they got caught with against uh, Hertha Berlin, and uh, and so that's kind of been where their form has been. It's 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 been a lot of a lot of good, but but just you never knew when that was going to turn, and and it you we'd go into halves up one goal and, um, and you, you were terrified that, uh, that, that stretch was going to happen and they were going to give up two goals on just bad decisions. And, um, and then you'd be, you know, looking at who to blame. And so the form going in to that, to that Schalke match was, was was one, I think most of us were optimistic, um, especially since, with all due respect to Schalke, they don't have the uh, <laughs> offensive firepower that or the type of offensive players that have really caused uh, Bayern some problems. Uh, so I think that from that standpoint, we were optimistic, but still on the back of everybody's mind is how is that back line going to play? And especially when we saw the lineup come out and we saw Nicholas Sula wasn't playing, it was Hummels and Boateng. Everybody kind of held their breath uh, a little bit. And uh, so, it, it was it was confidence, but um, but I think we are we're all cautious, cautiously optimistic.
0: Well, let's get into the the lineups of this one. We'll start with uh, with Bayern. Um, In goal. Ten you had Sven Ulreich, and the uh, back four you had a uh, Joshua Kimmich, Matt Hummels, Jerome Boateng, and David Alaba. Uh, in the sixth position you had Thiago. Uh, then in the midfield you also had Jaime Rodriguez, Leon Goretzka, Serge Gnabry, Kingsley Coman all led by Robert Lewandowski. Benjamin is this a uh, pretty standard lineup for Bayern or um obviously you'd want to have Rebri in games like this but obviously the two the two young wingers that came to play in this one uh certainly brought it Now, uh, uh, wasn't missed.
2: Yeah, no, I think um I think that this is a pretty standard lineup. Uh, most places are listing as a 4-3-3. I think ideally Kovac would have have it, have it shaped as a 4-2-3-1. Yeah. Um, with Leon, Leon Goretzka playing a, a bit back more towards Thiago. Um, but like Garrett hinted at, take out probably Boateng, but either Boateng or Hummels and put in Nicolas Sula, obviously bring in Manuel Neuer when he's fit for Sven all right, um, And I think you're looking at the lineup that will probably face Liverpool in a few weeks. Uh, and then the one caveat I would put with that is uh, Thomas Muller, is suspended for those Liverpool games. And so that's why we're probably not seeing a lot of him right now. We need to get James Rodriguez back integrated into the squad and, and learn how to play without Moeller. Um, but getting him back in would be, I guess the biggest possible change Kovac might make. But other than that, yeah, this is pretty typical. You talked about Ribery, but I think Coman and, and Nabry are the, are the starting wingers right now. I think they've both, uh, earned their spot there for, for sure. And, um, Ribery just doesn't have the legs to play a full ninety minutes anyway, uh, so I think yeah that this is what this is what Bayern's best eleven, um, you know, with a few exceptions, is probably probably is.
1: Do you really prefer Muller over Rodriguez at this point?
2: Uh, oh, um. So one thing that we try to say is it shouldn't be a topic of Mueller or Rodriguez. Um, it should be a topic of Mueller and Rodriguez. Because they do play very well together, and of course that does cause the issue of you know who who do you take out, who do you put in, and um, yeah, it is kind of hard to fit them both on the pitch. And honestly, it depends on the form. You know, right now with Muller being absent for both Liverpool games, you have to get James in and and get him integrated and get him back on form because he's missed uh, almost the entire season so far with injury. Um, but it's kind of a it's a it's a headache for sure, but it's a good one to have because to, you know, what I would say, world-class players fighting over more or less the same position. Um, it kind of depends. Usually Lewandowski works better if Muller's in the squad. But, you know, like we saw yesterday, James was was unplayable in midfield. And, um, yeah, I would say probably the best player on the pitch uh, yesterday. So it, it is definitely a tough one. Um, the, the, the solution is to put Muller on the right wing and let them kind of flow in and out, but with Nabri and Coman's form, you know, you have issues there. So uh, it's definitely, it's a tough one. It's a tough problem to solve and um, it can honestly change back and forth from one week to another.
3: Yeah, we definitely, we definitely would prefer to have them both. Um, And if, and if Hamas is on, is, is on form, then it's kind of, you know, um, it's a nice problem to have if if you have to try to fit both of them. Um, But, for whatever reason it seems like um actually Muller's biggest contribution if he's not if he's not just scoring goals and setting up goals or whatever the that whole uh the whole the whole aspect of his game has it makes things so much easier for a lot of other players on the pitch um we it seems like Goretzka plays a lot better when is on the field as opposed to when he's not mm-hmm. for whatever reason and um and so i think that you know, ideally, um, I don't know, I, and I think we've we've kind of de- debated it, and probably will continue to debate it. But it, it seems like um, if you're going to take a guy out, you might think about taking Coman out and sticking N'Gobry on that side, and and like Ben said, put Mueller on the right, have Hamas more central, and and then that way you're getting the best of Goretzka, and you're getting the best of Lewandowski because he plays really well with, with Moeller. And, and when Hamas is on his form, he plays really well um, with Hamas behind him too. So yeah, it's a good problem to have. Um, I, I would prefer, we both prefer to have them both on the pitch. Um, But that's, that's really been a big, that's really been a big uh, sore spot for a lot of Byron fans is that debate between um, if you had to choose one of them. Um, who would you choose? And um, I'm not prepared to make that decision at this point. So I just say, <laughs> let's get them both on. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, for, at least in the, for the Chalka's perspective, um, coming into this game, Chaka had a fantastic performance against Dusseldorf and the DFB Pokal. The lineup that they had in that game worked perfectly, Jack. Um, so of course, Tedesco would not go with the same lineup. Uh, so the lineup for this one, uh, coming into this one, it was Ralph Fairman. uh He was playing. Obviously, Noble is still out with a suspension. Uh, at back four of Daniel Kalajiri, Salif Sane, Jeffrey Bruma gets a second start, and Bastian Ochipka In the midfield, you had uh, Sebastian Rudy, Vincent Mckinney playing the back uh, the pivot, pivot roles, and then Swat Serdar, Nabil Bentaleb, and Yonav- Yevon Konoplyanka, all being flanked by Ahmed Kattucho leading the line. Jack, what do we make of this line? Because we talked with Ethan last week that we joked we said, "Hey, you know Ahmed Kattucho should start against Bayern and, and you know for the rest of the season." Because uh, see what he can do because he obviously scored a goal, but uh, he didn't do too bad in this one.
1: No, he really didn't, and I, I like him quite a bit. Obviously, I don't think we can rely on him to be scoring every single week, so it's not it's not one of those things. But um, I guess the surprises to me uh, came from, I mean, first of all, I was surprised to see Rudy starting, kind of. Uh, and then additionally, playing Suet Serdar rather than playing Mark U. Uh, out yeah, wide man, as yeah. has happened a number of times recently. Uh, that was a little bit curious to me. And then uh, lastly, I, it was interesting that Weston McKennie played in his natural role kind of for the second consecutive game because um, I, I almost fully expected him to be in maybe that number 10 position and have Bentaleb uh, playing deeper because that's kind of how the season has gone right. for the most part. But um, yeah, it was interesting to have Bentaleb pushed up a little bit higher.
0: Yeah, and I too, I was I was curious because Ute has been playing really well lately, and he scored a goal in the last game, and so you I thought he would have been a shoe in playing play in this one, and uh, no, he didn't. he didn't. He came on as a sub, and um, it's funny because last week uh, on the Super Byron pod, I went on there and I said they asked me, you know, what would be what would be the way for Byron to beat Schalke, and I said wing play and attacking the sebastian rudy rule well rudy gets out of the game within 30 minutes and then kalajiri and Oshipka look like you know pawns against kingsley coman and, and serge ganabry so um call me freaking nostradamus right but i guess anybody could see that coming
1: <laughs> yeah so, i mean that's good analysis i would have just answered that all byron has to do is show up <laughs> that would have been true too <laughs>
3: i was surprised they, they didn't play mark Ud, um in the starting 11 just given just he's had um a lot of success against Bayern Munich i mean comparatively anyway yeah. so it's yeah, i honestly i remember messaging the guys um while the game was going on when marqud came on i was like oh i've completely forgot he wasn't on the pitch <laughs> because it was it was just stunning me i guess i just kind of took for granted that he would have been starting so um kind of surprising uh, from tedesco there
1: yeah he's continuously given opportunities to Sebastian Rudy and Suet Serdar who are probably our most prominent midfield replacements for Meyer and Goretzka those departures and uh, neither of them have really lived up to the billing this season and uh, I think that absolutely continued to be the case today
0: yeah so I mean Byron obviously took it to Schalke this weekend it was 3-1 final and the first goal um, you know I, I say that the, you know, Shaka were in a giveaway mode, and unfor- unfortunately, those giveaways resulted in goals for Bayern. Um, the first goal, uh, it was the end of being an own goal by, by, um, by Bruma, but I mean, the, you guys turned the ball around so quickly. Jaime Rodriguez found a great pass to Lewandowski, and it just happened that he got sandwiched between the two Shaka defenders, and, and Bruma ended up hitting in his own net. It was a pretty good strike, really, <laughs> if you're a striker, but, um, you guys seem to attack, and you guys, I mean, Byron, you guys seem to attack uh, pretty quickly, despite being an older squad. I mean, with players like Lewandowski and, and the passing ability of Jaime Rodriguez, plus the wingers, you guys can attack fairly quickly uh, when, when when the ball gets turned over in your favor.
2: Yeah, and I think I think that highlights the the one area of our squad that isn't um, overly aging, and that's the midfield, because uh, Thiago um, Goretzka even now, they can close down defenders so quickly, kind of that uh, Gagan pressing if you will, and um, yeah, that's exactly what Kovac tried to u- utilize against Schalke, and it worked, you know, really well, as we saw, uh, that first goal is a perfect example, I think Thiago won it back quickly in midfield, found James, and it was just one pass in behind, um, and we got a little bit lucky, but uh, it, I do think Lewandowski would have finished that, had had Bruma not got a touch on it, but um, yeah, that shows, that's the strength of our of our squad right now, is probably the midfield, and and. More specifically, attacking attacking midfield. So, um yeah, I was I was really happy to see that.
0: Jack, despite the score line, I thought Fairman did fairly well. He had some big saves. I know he had one on uh, Ganabri in the 17th minute, and he also had one on Hymas in the 30th minute. Uh, but for the most part, Fairman had some pretty big big saves in this game. I, I'm not going to take all the all the goals against him. I think uh, you know we we made some bad turnovers and they capitalized on it. But you know when Fairman was called upon, he he stepped up.
1: And then I guess that really shouldn't be particularly surprising. It's just that, you know, his recent <laughs> performances, it seems like he right. makes at least one big right. mistake every single time. But uh, it'll be interesting to see if going forward, he ends up being kind of the big match player. Like I I know that Nuble is, is supposedly the number one now, but you think that Tedesco is actually going to start Nuble against Manchester City in the Champions League? Maybe he will. I don't know. I just yeah. I think it'd be interesting to see if Nubel ends up being the Bundesliga keeper, for the most part, and then uh, you know, it's on some of these big matches, maybe in the cups, maybe in the Champions League, that Fairman is uh, called upon to, you know, maybe levy some of his experience. Yeah, that's
0: a that's a very good point, and I'm curious too because um, Fairman is obviously the the better goalkeeper. He's the experience. Um, he obviously still he still has it, obviously, because he saw the big saves he had. Yes, he's had the yips every now and then, but when he's not in that mode he's actually an excellent goalkeeper um you know if it wasn't for the other big german goalkeepers in uh, in the country you know he would be getting a call for the national team so um
1: the one thing i did find frustrating though was that uh tedesco Sch- Schalke made no effort to to build out of the back um wow. when when fairman would get the ball it was it was you know boot it long type situation they weren't trying to you know, have one of the guys drop deep and, and build possession that way. And uh, if that's the case, I think we would both rather have Newbull in goal because his distribution is so much better. So for me, having Fairman kick long balls is not uh, an accurate way to. <laughs> we just give Byron possession immediately right after we and gain we, it back.
0: And we did that in the Hinrunda as well, and it didn't make any sense then. And they, you know, we kept conceding uh, possession as we did in this game. I mean, we knew Byron was going to boss possession as they always do, but. Um it was the way they did it you know like like i was saying before you know Koman and Ganabri just going after our, our wingers um tiring them out going this Koman so many times just flew by Caligiri, who who plays pretty well positionally yes he's not a natural right back but normally he does pretty well and he just got torched time and time again by Coman. um and then you know the play with the, the field was slanted obviously in Byron's direction uh and then a counter a lovely lovely counter um, that McKenny and Bentaleb hooked up back to McKenny. McKenny found Ahmed Katucci streaking past the, the back line of Byron. He gets down. He has a fantastic strike, Jack. Um what a finish. What a what a composure by the eighteen year old.
1: Yeah, it was it was a phenomenal play. Uh had a lot of time to think about it and didn't let you know get to his head on you know a big stage against a big opponent. Um, I'm curious to hear what what, what you guys made of, of with probably your first opportunity, really getting a close look at him. He's somebody that we're obviously pretty optimistic about. What what was your take on his performance?
3: For me, I was, uh, he kind of, I don't know. Scared is probably a strong word, but he, I mean, he worried me quite a bit in terms of, he has that kind of speed that really causes Bayern problems, especially if, you know, Sula's not in, I mean, you saw on that, on that counter, on that goal, um, Boateng just looked like he was, you know, a bulldozer out there trying to chase down a, a Formula 1 car. And he was it, it did not look like it was going to be close anyway and it was just kind of, well, there you go Sven, have fun. And uh he he showed he showed some skill that I thought, you know, for Schalke he's going to be a, a heck of a player and they need to find s- somebody to kind of get distribute the ball to him a little bit better um that that playmaker that you guys have kind of referenced missing um but i think i think you got something there and um because yeah i like i said he's he was about the only player on the pitch um for the most part that really i thought if if they're gonna score he's gonna be the one to do it and um and so yeah i mean he 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 made a nice strike. Um, he didn't didn't let the moment get to him, and um, and he was impressive.
2: I will say that um, anybody with speed worries worries Bayern fans because <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> true, we, we true. talked about it talked about it last week on our podcast. Put somebody up top who can just outrun uh, our defenders, which is basically three fourths of the Bundesliga at this point. But and. <laughs> put someone up there who can who can do you know beat them and put a shot away and that's how you score but that being said you know being such a young kid and scoring against Byron with the one chance that you get um that that takes some composure right there and uh, he obviously has to have at least a little something in him to do that so other than that it was hard to see him too much because he you know he wasn't as involved as I'm sure that uh, he would have liked to be in the game with Byron dominating possession so much but yeah I'll, I'll echo what Garrett said it was definitely um he, he did cause some worries and, and that's something, you know, huge for, for a teenager. So,
0: you know, it's, it's so funny because at that point of the game, I mean, great time to score a goal, right? It's one, one at this point, And before Shaka fans could even, you know, scream out Ahmed katuchu freaking Robert Lewandowski comes down the pitch. He scores a goal. He gets his hundredth goal for Bayern. Uh, just like that, Jack, um, we were thinking, Oh, we're back in the game. Then it's, we're back to reality, right?
1: Well, it's, it's a brutal pass from Suat Serdar. Oh. It's, it's it's to nobody. And he, I mean, I think it was maybe Nabry that picked it up and then put it across to was it Hamez? And then yeah. it was like yeah. two passes, right? And it just and it's right back in. And that's what's so frustrating to me. Um I, I mean, you wanna you, you can make the argument, you know, the first goal, there's some quality pressing and, and Bentelop gets trapped and he gets stripped and, and Bayern, you know, they made that goal themselves and, and capitalized on it. This one is—it's just you, you can't do that against a team like Bayern. You can't have these kind of mistakes because they're going to punish you. And uh, I, mean, I don't think anyone—we uh, certainly didn't expect to come in this game and and walk out of the Allianz Arena with with a win. But it's frustrating to see part of it happen in that way. I would have much rather had it be you know three goals that Bayern just ripped us apart because they're better, um, as opposed to you know at least one of them being entirely self-inflicted um, and then I mean I think I think you know Lewandowski would have scored the first one too but that was also an own goal so in, from that perspective it was just like I mean, come on really like you cannot be doing these kind of things against the team of this caliber regardless of you know the season that they're having
0: yeah whenever you play opponent like like Byron you you cannot make mistakes as Schalke did and expect to live another day um, they got to play at the top of their game and, and and they did not in this game they had you know careless turnovers many many times I mean, there's only maybe two spells in the game really that Schalke had decent possession, and by decent I mean like a minute. Um, for the most part, it was just most givea- <laughs> most of the time it was just giveaways and and or long clearances by Fairman or or silly passes. So, um, we were back where we thought we were going to be. Um, you know, Schalke they, they they kept it close for a little bit. Um, while Byron was certainly dominating this game. Um, they went to halftime. You know, by the score two one came out, and Shaka really had two opportunities. Right in the early in the second half, uh, McKinney and Bruma both had chances to level the game again. Um, missed opportunities, uh, Ben and and, and Garrett. Uh, it, it paid it paid dividends because Byron's came back in the fifty seventh minute and Gnabry put the game to end as a beautiful play by Coman and and Lewandowski to set it up. But um, a goal, third goal, put the put shock out of their misery. It was
2: it was opportunities that they missed that forced uh, Byron to just close the game out. Yeah, it's interesting that you talk about missed opportunities because um, Bayern had a few missed opportunities of their own. Yeah, I think I'm thinking of um, Lewandowski had a, a wide open shot, and I think it was it was either Bruma or Sane made it made an excellent uh, last minute tackle to yeah, deny Bruma, the shot. Wow, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, missed chances on both ends. Um, that goal, that goal was nice. I know Lewandowski was uh, definitely wanting that one to be put away himself, but. Um, Well done by now. No, no, no. He
3: totally, he he absolutely (laughs) meant for that to be a bicycle kick assist. It was not, (laughs) it wasn't a shot.
1: I do and think that was, uh, that was so annoying on Twitter, everyone like, oh what a brilliant assist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
3: like, it's complete
2: shit house goal yeah. Stop
1: it.
0: No striker will ever pass in that situation. Come on.
1: No.
2: Yeah, oh. Def- oh. definitely not our striker um, on top of that. <laughs> I do I do think credit should be given to Sven Ulrich, our second goalkeeper. I think he made a couple couple good saves. Yeah, um,
0: what, a couple other guys.
2: Yeah. So um, you know, well done by him to step up in, in Neuer's shoes, even though Neuer hasn't quite been at his best this season, so Missed chances on both ends. It, um, I wouldn't have been surprised. I'll say to see Schalke sneak a goal and, and that game in two-two or even you know two-one for Schalke. That would have been one of the most typical Bayern games that you'll see this season. Um, the other teams taking advantage of their chances while Bayern wastes theirs over and over. So luckily, it went the other way for us this time.
3: And I think um, I want to kind of point out that you know Weston McKinney i for me he was he was the player of the match for you guys in in terms of you know i think he was the highest expected goals um guy and um that run he had to set up you Mm -hmm. know that was he took that probably i think on the other side of the field and and brought it all the way down and that was super impressive um and also showed our need for you may maybe a, a more destroyer type defensive midfielder but um yeah, i i was really impressed with him even though it was kind of a quiet performance but you know he was i thought he was really good
0: it's uh, it's funny you mentioned that because uh, I I do want to talk about you know the best players of the game and since we lost them let us go first. <laughs> Jack, Fair. Jack, who are your who are your best players for Schalke if you want to call it best for best performances? And who I mean the worst is probably going to be Rudy. He was taken off in the thirtieth minute. and He went right to the locker room, pissed, pissed off because he sucked, I guess. Um, but who who are the best players for you in that game, Jack?
1: Um, I think fairman is is one of them. I think McKinney as well, yeah. and then uh probably Katushu, those would be the three. Um, I, eh, I'll take kind of plianca, I thought had a really good first half, yeah, um defensively as well. He was tracking back and, and getting involved and in putting in a lot of effort. um un- unfortunately, he had some very typical kind of moments where he he gets caught up on that left wing and then just doesn't really, you know nothing nothing comes of it. Um, I think that Weston McKinney run was one example of that where he wasn't able to. Make something happen off the end of it, but um, I, I thought he was fairly, fairly good in that first half. So I guess those would be maybe my, my three kind of Plank, McKenny, Fairman, and then Katuchu for the goal.
0: Yeah, I like those shots as well. I thought those, those four pretty much stood out. And, and another person I liked in the game was Bruma. He had some moments of uh, trepidation, I guess, but he had some big stops. Um, yeah, he caused an own goal, but he almost scored a goal as well. Hit the hit the post on another. So. Um, I thought he was a decent performer. He was the best of the back line, I, I would think.
1: Uh, let me let me also just say from the from the Byron perspective, I was particularly impressed with uh Nabry and, and Coleman because yeah, those are oh, two yeah. two players that I haven't had as much of an. I mean, I think we're all familiar with you know Rodriguez and and Lua and what those guys can do. Um, but uh, Nabry I thought was fantastic. In this one, and then it, Coleman is just—he's—he's he's a cheat code dude. He's so fast. <laughs> I mean, like Caliguri is a fairly fairly competent player back there, but he, I mean, it just—it was silly how easy abusive. it was for Kingsley Coleman. yeah, to, to get to get by him. So that was that was pretty terrifying to watch.
0: So for both both you guys, um, are your best players of the game just anyone in front of the back line for for Byron? Uh <laughs> who was your pretty best close. player? And who was your worst player? You know, I, I want to hear that from both of you guys.
3: So I so best um, for for Bayern. I, I you could go a few different ways, I think. But I I we like Nobre, at least on our podcast. We like him so much because he when he's he's willing to 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 drive at a team to dribble at the defense and and make things happen. And um and I think we saw. Uh, a lot of the good things that, that Gennaro can do. And I thought he was really good. Um, James was phenomenal. He looked world-class. He had, he had a mistake earlier in that, that led to that first goal um, that uh, we can kind of dock him some rating for, but, but I thought he was um, amazing. And, and Lewandowski has been everything that people said he wasn't going to be, um, all year uh, in terms of, you know, he's, he's making that, that great pass. He's, um, setting up, uh, shots for other guys. Um, he was phenomenal. Um, and then, like you said, Coman just, yeah, so fast and so quick on the ball. And, um, it, the, the, the one thing that's missing, like I, I think we mentioned before is sometimes it just seems like he just doesn't, he doesn't make that decision quick enough to put that cross in or to uh, or to take it to the line. And, um, and that's it, the one thing that's kind of holding him back. And some of that might be because he's, he's dealt with um, injuries so much in the in the past couple of years. But um, if he starts figuring that out, um, look out world. Uh, Cause yeah, he is blindingly fast and um, kind of scary. So um, those would be the guys that I kind of, that kind of stood out for me. Uh, the worst, player um of the match i don't know because because other than you know hummels and, and boateng looked poor um but they didn't they didn't do a ton outside that first um goal to to really hurt byron but so i guess you know the worst player um i'm gonna give it to uh hummels because uh he's been he's been getting more playing time so he uh has less of an excuse for Mm -hmm. um being being low on the on the ratings list so he's going to be my my quote-unquote worst player of the game but uh, but we love mats
2: anyone been um no he he really hit the nail on the head i think james rodriguez if you take it and look at a season as a whole, this was probably a, the biggest game for him um, to finally get you know, a second start in a row and play as well as he did. So I'd probably give him man of the match. Um, if not, then Lewandowski. Worst performer for me, probably would agree with Hummels. And I would also give Yosha uh, Kimmich a shout just because we're so used to Kimmich being to, way, more, the, way, the mustache, more yeah, way more It's the mustache, isn't it? Yeah. Good grief, yes. Um yeah, we're just used to being him being so involved in the match and him always being, you know, a standout player. And over yeah. the past couple of games he's not been at his best. Uh, and I guess, you know, three three bet well not bad, three average games from Kimmick can yeah. get a little bit annoying. So I wanna see he a little did, bit more from him.
3: Yeah, and he didn't have he didn't have any shots. He didn't he didn't have any passes that led to a shot. He was kind of invisible and, and even Goretzka was a little bit invisible. Mm um, for the match. Um, so he didn't do anything terrible, but just, you know, you expect him to show up a little bit, uh, more after the start to the, to 2019. So yeah, he'd be another guy that is a little bit disappointing.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm going to echo Jack's sentiments. And I, I thought, yeah, I agree with all you guys, with everything you guys are saying from my perspective, it, um, you know, being on the opposite side, Canabri and, and, and Coleman and also Jaime Rodriguez, I thought were the three standouts uh, in that game, just watching it and like, ah, oh, we had no answers for any, any of those three guys. And, uh, those guys continue to torment us all game long. And 3-1 was a, was a fitting scoreline, I guess. And it could have been a lot worse if it wasn't for the heroics of Fairman in this one. So, um, well done for you guys. 3-1 victory gets you guys back on track. Shaka are, uh, now behind Freiburg, uh, in 13th position. So, um, looking forward, uh, today, uh, there was the, the draw of the DFP Pokal. Uh, Shaka drew Bremen. While uh, the other matchups, uh, you guys, Bayern, you guys, Drew Heidenheim. Uh, there's also Paderborn against Hamburg, Augsburg against Leipzig. So, uh, Jack, what do you think about the the drawing of uh, Bremen? And I know we both were saying last week we don't want to play against Bremen, and we, we of course we get them.
1: Yeah, it is the part in the competition where you're gonna have to face quality opposition eventually if you're gonna go all the way and 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 win the trophy. Um, so, I mean, I'm not. Too upset about you know drawing a good team at this point, but you know there were some some options available like Heidenheim, who Bayern drew naturally, and uh, and some other ones you know like you know even uh, you know Paderborn or Hamburg, even and uh so yeah, I mean I, I think I think Bremen's a dangerous team. Um, I've been kind of high on them all year. I, they haven't quite reached the heights at times that I would have expected, but you know they just knocked out um, Dortmund, doing us a massive favor. Yeah. We appreciate that. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm not super optimistic about it. The one thing I'm I'm happy about is that that draw uh, that that uh, that encounter is going to take place at home in the Veltons Arena, which is better than doing it, uh, yeah. you know, in enemy territory. But uh, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a tough match, and I think I think we are absolutely the uh, the underdog heading into that one.
0: We're, we're probably underdog no matter who we play now these days. <laughs> um, I mean, the the good thing about that of uh, the of the game is going to be we have to see Weston McKinney against Josh Sargent. Hopefully, um, that'd be good for at least from the American perspective to see that. I know the uh, a lot of the followers of the U.S. men's national team would be uh, keen on seeing uh, those two play a lot, of, a lot in that game. So, um, Ben and Ben and, and Garrett, uh, what do you guys make of the draw against Heidenheim? That had to been a very, very favorable draw for you guys.
2: Uh, yeah, you have to look at that and think. You know, anything less than a convincing win for Byron is obviously disappointing. That being said, I wouldn't be surprised to see Byron go out and um, I guess kind of take the match for granted think it's going to be a walk in the park and uh, maybe take a few punches from Heidenheim. I think we have, I think we just sold one of our uh, second team players to Heidenheim over the summer, Niklas Dorsch, maybe. So I know he'll be excited to, at the potential to play against his former side and uh, maybe show them what they're missing out on. But um, yeah, anything less than than a good win from Bayern is, is very disappointing.
3: Yeah, we've talked about them being kind of, Prone to lapses in motivation or focus, and so you know, as as nice as as preferable as this draw was for byron it's still one that's a little bit scary given the struggles of this season. So um, hopefully, I mean, I I fully expect to be frustrated in the 70th, 70th minute, and then you know you as I can't believe this game's not over yet, and uh, but yeah, I I, I think it's obviously a good draw. Obviously, you know, there was much worse options. Um, we could have got Bremen, um, for example. And, uh, and, uh, so th- that's actually, I'll actually be watching your guys game probably, uh, more than I will be watching Byron. Uh, because if, if it goes the way that we want it to, then it shouldn't, shouldn't be anything worth watching. And if it doesn't go the way we want it to then i'm not sure i want to watch for my own well-being so um yeah it it'll be it'll be exciting into that to that tournament i think
0: i, I won't i won't discount uh, heidenheim so much because yes you guys are the heavy favorites but uh, they're led by uh the manager frank schmidt who is a fantastic up-and-coming manager uh, he's been with them with heidenheim, uh, heidenheim for since 2007 um, but he he's a, he's a very motivating coach. If if any, anybody can motivate their team to step up to the challenge, I think Frank Schmidt is up to the task. Um, I don't I don't foresee an upset in this one. But but he will make it I think difficult for for Bayern more than more than people will expect. Um, he uh, I did watch I, there was a documentary on um some German trainers up and coming German trainers and he was one of them and I thought he was just brilliant. In the stuff that he was you know giving his team, his team has you know they they have nobody basically and. The stuff that he can motivate the guys to do. I mean, I, I was ready to go out there and, and run for him. So, um, I'm going to watch your guys' game just because I want to see how, if he can even put any kind of crink or chink, kink in, in the armor of Byron, but I doubt that's going to happen. But it could be a blowout very well, like you guys are saying. So, but I'm curious to see if, if he can do anything in that, in that situation. But, um, yeah. So those are, those are the, those are the games. We're not going to even talk about the other games in the DFP Hulk because none of us care about the rest of them. So, um, it don't matter. <laughs> Uh, all right, so um, before we get to wrap this one up, um, I just want to remind fans that you know kits are still available on the Schalke store at 55 euros, and you get 20% off Umbro fitness gear at the Schalke store. So that will wrap this one up, folks. Um, we want to thank Schalke for tidbits on our podcast today. If you haven't done so yet, make sure you sign up for the Schalke US newsletter by simply going to the team website, entering your email address, and you will receive them monthly. Um Ben and, and Gary, we want to let you know that we're going to give a special shout out to our friends over at NBC4 Nashville. Uh, make sure you give those guys a follow. They've been uh, great fans of the show. Um, on a serious note, though, we want to thank both you guys uh, for joining us on the podcast today. Um, the Super Byron podcast is, a, is an excellent podcast. I was fortunate enough to be on the podcast last week. Um, go ahead, uh, plug away not only your podcast, but you guys yourselves as well. Uh, let us Let our fans know where they can follow you on social media.
2: Yeah, sure. So uh, give us a follow on Twitter at SuperByronPod. Um, once you get there, all of the links are personal Twitters, uh, mine, Garrett's, and Tim and Sebastian's are in the description. Um, we're still pretty new to this, so we're kind of figuring things out as we go, uh, kind of working things out. We really appreciate um, Jack and Richard for letting us come on, obviously. And uh, as for me personally, you can follow me on Twitter at Scott don't expect to see too much. I kind of just lurk on there, but uh, I do most of the tweeting from, from the pods, Twitter account. And um, yeah, that's pretty much it for me.
3: Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Garrett R Kerber and it's Garrett with one R and two T's that kind of trips people up <laughs> um, all my life. And uh, so uh, yeah, you, it, again, I'm not super interesting, but the people I follow are, and I retweet. And so uh, I, I, you'll see a lot of Byron stuff, um, Nashville predators, hockey stuff, and, uh, gosh, all sorts of things, but, uh, but yeah, uh, give, give the the pot a follow, um, download a few episodes. And even if you're not a Byron fan, hopefully there's something that you can, you can gather and and, and you like, and, uh, thanks for having us on the show. It was a lot of fun. Excellent.
0: Excellent. Uh, and Ben, you said you lurk, you lurk on Twitter. Uh, it's funny because Jack lurks on Skype apparently. So, uh, hey guys, got- <laughs> uh, Jack, where can our followers find you on Twitter, or where can uh, Ben and Garrett follow you?
1: J M Mangan, J M M A N G A N on uh, Twitter. Uh, I may be making an appearance on the. Uh, Blue Moon podcast sometime midweek uh, to preview uh, the Manchester City Schalke Ooh. Champions League uh, encounter, which um, I mean, I don't really know how much analysis there is to give there. We're going to lose. But um, anyway, uh, so keep an eye out for that in case that happens. But beyond that, uh, yeah, connect with me on Twitter and uh, look forward to continuing the conversation there.
0: Blue Moon. I thought this was going to be a beer uh, podcast and I got really excited <laughs> for a minute.
3: <laughs> now I need one.
0: Yeah, right. Ah, very good well once again i'm your host richard carman and you can find me on twitter as well at r underscore k-h-a-r-m-a-n until the next pod comes my friends stay ready and we'll be with you soon shoo